This podcast was produced on Gadigal land. Before we start, the Royal Botanic Gardens and Domain Trust would like to acknowledge and pay respect to all elders past, present and emerging. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome once again to a very special episode of Branch Out. This week, we're honouring NAIDOC Week. NAIDOC Week is a celebration of the culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. It's also a time to reflect on history and how we can better respect and support First Nations Australians. This year's theme is Hill Country. So, to celebrate on Branch Out, I sat down virtually with Clarence Lockie. You would probably know him best from Gardening Australia. We discussed his relationship with the land and what hill country means to him. Yeah, my name's Clarence Slocky and I'm a Bundjalung fellow from the far north coast of New South Wales, the beautiful Tweed Valley, Tweed Byron. Uh, yeah, not so much bushland around at the moment, but um, yeah, there was lots when I was a lot younger than I am now. The uh, key thing that most people know is that uh, Cape Byron, so um, in uh, Rockwell country, is um, you know we're we're talking about the easternmost point of Australia. So we oh. have uh, yeah the um, easternmost point, but we also have uh, what most people call Mount Morning. We call Wollumbin. It's our sacred mountain. So it's uh, you know can be seen from all areas of Bundjalung and it's all beautiful rainforest country. It, uh, wow. uh, the remnant bushland up there is quite stunning. You know, there's lots of uh, freshwater water holes and waterfalls and all uh, making its way down to the, the beautiful Tweed Byron Coast, some of the best surf beaches uh, on the East Coast. So, you know, it is a very beautiful place to, to visit and a, a lovely place to live. Where do you remember your your passion for nature and the environment starting? Yeah, look, I guess <laughs> just having spent a lot of time on uh, on farms and, and in the bush with, uh, you know, different family members and cousins and uncles and aunties, you know, we're always uh, either out picking fruits or picking uh, vegetables on, on different farms, um, you know, always down the beach. So, you know, the, the, that that area just behind the dunes and into the into the uh, what what is uh, tea tree scrub up up home, you know some of the um, the tea tree lakes around around uh, that part of the world is um, you know some of my earliest memories. You know the you, you look at those tea tree lakes and you think the water's dirty, but it's it's you know, it's quite clear. It's just a bit brackish from the uh, the tea tree and the paper bark. Yeah. Nowadays, you do a lot of presenting with Gardening Australia and, of course, your time at the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney. How does it feel to share your knowledge of plants and your cultural knowledge of plants with other people? Um, well, I guess it's really interesting because you know, I don't think there's anybody on the planet who uh, has ever learnt anything, um, you know, in solitude. You know, we all take uh take information from mentors and and teachers and lecturers and parents and family and you know just you know it's a daily occurrence if you 
you think you know everything, then, uh, you know, unfortunately you're uh, sadly mistaken. So um, <laughs> I've been pretty lucky to, to travel to lots of communities and just have lots of really good people around me. And, um, you know, the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney in particular, the, uh, all of the horticulturalists, botanists, ethnobotanists, evolutionary ecologists, you know, phytochemists, all the... All the people who, uh, you know, job titles I, I never knew existed, uh, you know, who are just, you know, so passionate about plants. That's one of the, the most beautiful things about working um, working with people in, in that space is that you, you all bond over your love of nature. So it's just a beautiful thing. And uh, you know, I've been blessed to be able to share, you know, what is now my knowledge, but is, is knowledge that's been passed on to me from so many different people. Yeah, you're like a vessel for the information. That's all we can be because, uh, you know, at some point the uh, vessel is going to get cast adrift and we're uh, back out into the ether. I did a little bit of research into some of all of the amazing things you've been involved with from performing to your work on television. How does it feel to have gotten to express your culture and develop your understanding of culture through so many different mediums is that something you had always hoped to do or have you strived to find those opportunities or did they find you oh that's a good question actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, when I was younger you know I think I think everybody has uh, uh different aspirations when they when they're younger you know I was sort of uh I was good at sport you know I thought maybe that was going to be my vehicle to to um, get ahead and to, to mm. make a, a mark in the world and then uh, you know lots of um, cousins in particular who were really good musos and you know we're all playing guitar and having fun with music and then it was so then you, you know you go from being a sports star and wanting to be a rock star and then you, know, you <laughs> want to be rich and famous and then uh, you know you sort of uh, as you get older, you think, oh, look, I don't really need the fame. I'll just take the fortune, thanks. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit um, different, I guess, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in that, you know, we're, we're a small percentage of the population, but we, uh, you know, we are overrepresented in uh, different fields of endeavour um, quite, quite well in, in sport, you know, obviously, but um, also in, in the arts. Um, sadly, you know, on the flip side of that, we're also represented in, in incarceration and in mm-hmm. um, you know so many other things where we're, we're we're not doing so well. So it's um, you know I think for a lot of us we, we feel a responsibility to try and be as positive and push um, uh, our, our combined cultures forward as much as we can. And that's you know for me it's been really just a, a journey that's made a um, you know I just. <laughs> I kind of end up doing things that I like doing as opposed to Good. things that are going to you know, make me make me rich or make me um, you know, well known. It's just a, a just kind of I think if you if you pursue something too hard um, and try too hard in a particular space, you might have might end up with a bit of trouble. Whereas you know if you if you just let it flow and, and just be true to yourself, I think it'll all come together in the end. That's wonderful advice. What is it about Australian plants in particular that really grabs your attention? I think it's you know part of, partly because of the the evolution and the you know the fact that a lot of them have been around since uh, Pangaea, Gondwana, you know, sort of mm-hmm. they they've certainly done their thing and 
they've adapted to some unbelievable um, climates and some unbelievable changes in the environment that they live in. You know, it's mm. it's we we are blessed to be in a, a beautiful continent. You know, we've got you know, if you, you go far north, you've got the Dane Tree, you've got you know, the Great Barrier Reef, you go in, you've got the desert, you know, we've got Uluru, we've got all of these amazing, you know, iconic um, geograph- geographical forms. And, you know, then we go down to the Snowy Mountains, you know, so anything from snow to desert to, you know, the beautiful island of Tasmania, there's all these amazing areas where you you just cannot help but be amazed at what you find. Like, you know, I remember um, being in, in Tassie and, and seeing, you know, thousand-year-old King Billy Pines and just thinking, man, these are, these are incredible specimens. But just the fact that what they've seen, how long they've been there, the, the changes in, in um, you know, what, what's happened in the, their thousand years on the planet, but then, you know, the... The plants around them, and then the, you know, there's remnant rainforest down in Tassie, and then you go into you know, the central desert, and you look at plants that are able to survive in the harshest conditions, and you think, man, they just do so well. And then, you know, on top of that, the uh, Aboriginal people who have been able to to manage these these spaces and to be able to utilise these plants in ways that have just been so unbelievable that um, you know you can't help but be amazed by it. I couldn't agree more. Let's say hypothetically you've been, I don't know, stuck at work and in the city a lot and you just really need to have a moment to reconnect to the outdoors, I guess. How how do you reconnect with country when you're feeling a bit distant? Look, I think, uh, I think we are spoiled and a lot of people uh, don't... Uh... You know, oh, maybe they don't appreciate it. Maybe they just don't have the time to appreciate it. It seems that um, you know it takes a lockdown for people to actually uh, take a, take stock of what we actually have around us. Like you know, sure. we're surrounded by the, the Blue Mountains and um, you know, Gringo National Park, and then you know you go up. There's Barrington Tops, and then you've got the Royal National Park to the south. There's just these amazing spaces that we have so close to you know the largest city in the country. And you know that's the thing. Like uh, we, a lot of us live in Sydney because it's just a place to where we can we can forge a career or we can you know obtain work and we can um, you know care for our families. But you know, for me as an Aboriginal person living in the city, I really need that connection, mm. and it's so easy to do. You know, one of the first trips I ever did when I moved to Sydney many many years ago was to jump on a train from Redfern out to Cronulla and then get on the ferry and go over to Bundina and then hike the coast track down and camp overnight and then the next day hike through to Otford, get on the train and then, you know, you're back in Sydney. Like it's just, it's so easy to do and you just feel so energised from, uh, you know, your day-to-day that just keeps you in that grind. The theme for NAIDOC week this year is Heal Country and I was really interested to ask, what does that mean to you personally? I've been thinking about it as soon as they announced the uh, the the, the, um, the theme. Um, yeah, it's it, it, without wanting to sound like a cranky old bugger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think back to when I was a kid, and you know, like um, my parents and all, all of my extended family. Like we never ever thought that we yeah. Well, we, let me rephrase. We mm-hmm. we never ever. Um, 
probably the right phrase, <laughs> never <laughs> thought thought to disrespect the earth in any way, shape or form. You know, even though you know, many of my, my family members, uh, my dad in particular, he was a you know, farmer and, and a fisherman. Um, and but you know it was always always about um, balance and and you know um, sustainability before sustainability even became a thing. Mm-hmm. And you know if we if we were on the beach or if we were in the bush, um, you know it was always you know never leave your rubbish behind. Don't break things. Don't don't take things without asking. You know and that goes to you know, the, the the plants and the animals in in, in the bush. All of those things were just a given for me as a kid. Mm. Now, now that I'm, I'm older, I just, you know, I just see the way that people, just on a, on an individual level, they just there's no care factor, and just you know, they, you just you, you just have to go to the beach and just see all the crap people leave behind. Like, where do they think mm-hmm. that stuff goes? And it's mm-hmm. like if you take it with you, surely it's easy enough to take it back out again. It's just it just it's mind boggling to be honest, and that's just a you know on a on a personal level. If you, you know, if it expands out, if you know we we take that individual level, you know one one person leaves one bit of rubbish, that's twenty pieces of rubbish that get left behind on a daily basis. So you know twenty million pieces of rubbish multiplied by three hundred sixty five days of the year. You yeah. wonder why we've got so much trash everywhere. It's just crazy. It makes no sense to me. But yeah. As I say, I might be just a cranky old bugger now. <laughs> I agree, though, and I think it's evident, like, we're seeing, you know, whether or not people who maybe don't have an inherent connection to the land, like, even just statistically, like, we know that climate change is a problem, pollution is a problem. It's, I imagine it, I mean, it distresses me. I imagine it's quite distressing, it is, you know, and that's that's the thing. Like we have, you know, over five hundred different language groups in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, and each of us have a, you know, a connection to our particular country. But we mm. we're all connected broadly through song lines and through our, our Aboriginal connections, anyway. So, you know, we we feel it probably you know, possibly more than others. I don't know, but you know, it's not to say that non-Aboriginal people can't have a connection to country. There's a lot of lot of farmers out there in particular who are, who have a, a very strong connection to country, and you know they're they're changing their ways. They're seeing what needs to be done, as you say, with you know climate change and with with drought. You know we've had the you know, literally a, a run where it was you know drought followed by intense bushfires, followed by you know global pandemic, followed by floods back into pandemic. So you know. Yeah. These things don't happen in isolation. They're, you know, we're, we are all connected, and we all need to do better to you know to heal country. If we look after country, country will look after us. Well said. At the moment in your work, what is inspiring you? Uh, well, <laughs> what's inspiring me is uh, is the the team I've, uh, I've got around me at the moment. You know, a lot of lot of young Aboriginal people. Um, you know, non-Aboriginal collaborators who are, are working, we're all on the same page when it comes to you know, design and, and, and green space, you know, but we can't, we can't get away from the fact that we are encroaching more and more on, on uh, bushland as development increases, as the population increases, we have to come up with smarter ways to be able to do that. And, you know, when we look at um, global cities in particular, you know, well, I'm doing a lot of work in, you know, in the Greater Sydney region, but you know, we're 
we're trying, along with many of our collaborators, to work smarter, but also come up with designs that can really enhance you know, and, and try to negate in some ways what, what's happening with that, that uh, you know, cutting up of, of you know, remnant bushland or what, whatever's um, being taken out to make way for housing or to make way for infrastructure. So you know, if, if we can move forward without you know, making too great of an impact, um, then you know, hopefully it, uh, it it'll make for a better world. But you know, it's 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 a tricky one because the, as the population grows, everyone needs somewhere to live. Everybody yeah. needs you know needs to have a job. But uh, you know, by the same token, we we also need to uh, eat need to eat. So you know, our food bowl needs to be looked after. All of our um, you know essential services, our healthcare, or our old people, everyone needs to be looked after. So. How do we do that with uh, you know leaving as, as small of a, a footprint, but a, but also as a much smaller impact on Mother Nature? Because you know in the end, it's it's about how we live with the Earth as opposed mm-hmm. to you know just taking advantage of it. And I I mean I thought I you got to have hope. I have hope that that is something that is improving. Where do you see traditional knowledge and First Nations knowledge being a huge asset to solving some of those huge problems? First and foremost, I'd like to see it start to come into play with uh, yeah, um, fire management. You know, there's, uh, you know, we should not have ever had such hot, hot bushfires. And, and you know, peak summer when we're, we're having these fires, I've recently down the south coast looking at the the regeneration and those fires burnt so hot that it's you know, it, it's quite scary is what what's coming back and you know if it will ever be the same so you know, if we really want to think about caring for country and, and healing country mm-hmm. uh, step one is you know how do we um, mitigate the risk of this happening again how do we mitigate the risk of not having enough water for our wetlands for our river systems for you know all of the the the, um, the resources, the natural resources that we need to survive as a species, you know, we are not the dominant species. We think we are, but we are just a part of the ecosystem. We really need to get our headspace around that and, and think as you know uh, a, a part of the system as opposed to the boss of the system. We're not the boss. You got to let everything be in balance. Exactly. If you were going to share. I mean, you share so much of your knowledge and your passion with other people, but I guess for listeners of the podcast, if you could, I guess, share one last thing of a motivation to reflect on the land around them um, with something maybe you particularly love, whether it be a memory or a place that you particularly love, um, what would you like to share? (laughs) Uh, it's hard for me to go past the ocean as a saltwater follower and, uh, you know, everything that that, that ha- brings about. But as I said, we're, we're spoiled if we're on the East Coast or, um, you know, uh, well, it doesn't matter where you are, but here, here on the East Coast in particular, you know, we can literally, you know, go to a, a, a freshwater waterhole and follow um, that, you know, fresh water down to the ocean. It, it's it's just so easy to do to mm. to connect with nature and to just to try to understand those systems a little bit better and and you know maybe take time to reflect and just just meditate on on what it means and and you know maybe 
try and put yourself back 500 years and think what it must have been like um, and, you know, think what can we do to minimise our impact as we move forward. I think, you know, there's there's ways for people to get out there into the bush and really, um, you know, connect and, and you know, they can do that through mindfulness or just, you know, just through just taking the time to just enjoy the, the, the serenity of it all. You know, they're the... They're the things that I, I, I find, you know, help help me in my day-to-day life. And, you know, things are only getting faster from what I can see. So, you know, if, if we have that time to pause and to, to get out into the bush or to get onto the, um, you know, down on, onto the coast and, and see, you know, how some of these plants interact and, you know, what sort of pollinators are coming in and, and what birds are, you know, coming in and what, where, are there any lizards and snakes around and all those sort of things. Don't be fearful of the bush. Try and understand it a little bit better, and try to connect to it, and look at ways that you can, you know, do your little bit. You know, join a bush care group, go out and help pull weeds, do whatever you can to make this country, you know, a beautiful, beautiful space that it has always been. Um, but you know, we don't want it to, you know, slowly slip away from us. So I think, you know, anything that we can do to connect, you know, it's. Uh, going to be great for all of us and you know even better for uh you know healing country what a beautiful last sentiment thank you so much clarence no problem rose thank you very much thank you for listening to branch out if you'd like more information about nadoc week head to the nadoc week website And then over on the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney's website, we have some virtual backgrounds of native plants that you can use on things like Zoom. I know most of you are in lockdown like myself. And we also have a Bush Tucker Garden ebook that you can download and have a look at how to spruce up your garden. Branch Out was produced and presented by me, Rose Kerr. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, or even better, send it to a friend. Next time on Branch Out, we'll be looking at extreme plants and the adaptations they have to thrive in these extreme environments. 